Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the How Long To Beat podcast. As always, it's Rick, Alex and Paula coming to you. And this week, the answer is 72 hours because we recorded on Friday. This is, go- this is happening on a Monday. And we've all somehow managed to complete a game. What the fuck? So this week, we are going to talk about the games that we've beaten one each, uh, what we've retired and what we're playing. We're going to take um, a topic this week. What counts as a new game? And uh, we're going to take a question from friend of the forum, June, um, about the evolving games industry before we finish off with the tour de force that is, say it with me, how, how long, long to be, be the, the game. game. Noise. I hope that comes out in the recording. That sounded horrific to me. It sounded really good on my end, actually. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to record. <laughs> well, we'll find out, won't we? Uh, speaking of finding out, let's find out what you beat this weekend, Paula. Oh, uh, as for this week, I've beaten Lara Croft Go uh, for a PC that is like a turn-based puzzle kind of treasure hunting adventure. <laughs> it's kind of weird. So, uh, you play, well, as Lara Croft, um, and you like have this weird board kind of map. And you move like one space every turn. And the thing is, you pretty much have to uh, do stuff like in the right order and with the right timing uh, so you can actually pass the level. So, for example, in the first uh, levels, that is actually uh, kind of easy because like the only enemy that is on the map is like these snake enemies. But for example, you can kill it for, from the side or from behind. But if you step like in front of it, it kills you. Or uh, other enemies are like these lizard kind of things that uh, once you are like in the line of sight, and that means like um, two steps away from it, it will start follow- following you. So each time you move like one uh, spot on the map, uh, the enemy will also move one spot like towards you and it will like follow the way you uh, you walk. So uh, the first time like I have heard about this game was like in Game Maker's Toolkit when he was talking about like puzzle games and, and design. Love that guy. And I was like, what is this? Because like I haven't seen like any kind of puzzle game uh, on this style before. Like, they are usually, like, uh, 2D art and stuff like that. And they're, like, um, or they're either, like, escape rooms. But i never seen, like, a turn-based adventure that is a puzzle game. Because hmm. hmm. this is in the series, right? Like, if there's Hitman Go, Lara Croft Go, and Deus Ex Go, isn't there? Like, they made the three yeah. of these? Really? Yeah, they're, so there's two more for you to get. They're all slightly different, though. So, like, I've actually played all of them, uh, funnily enough, on my phone. Um, the, the Deus Ex one, if I remember, there's, like, elements of, like, hacking. So there's a mini game for that. Makes um, and Hitman, um, it's all multi-tiered levels. And it's slightly differently focused in that you always have a target location or someone that you're going to kill, whereas Lara Croft just sort of if I remember correctly, predominantly point A to point B sort of situation. Uh, but I've... they're good for what they are. Mm. 
I think I played Hitman Go actually. I remember like trying it out. Like yeah, these reviewed quite well at the time. I think. Um, yeah, they all did relatively well. Um, I Hitman Go was in twenty fourteen. That's a while ago now. <laughs> yeah, they they're old, man. I I rated Lara Croft as the best of the three just, but it's long enough ago that I couldn't tell you why. But um, they're on everything as well. They're on like PS4. You played on PC, Paula. Um, Android. Anyone on Vita Island, I think at least Hitman and Lara uh, are stranded there with you. So lots of ways to play. That's cool. Well, I mean, you know, Lara Croft Go won game, a best mobile game of the year for the Game Awards 2015. So, you know, that's pretty prestigious. <laughs> I mean, who cares about the Game Awards? Oh, I know, there was sarcasm. I game hate. Oh, no, well, there you go. <laughs> Sorry, but anyway, so they might as well have gotten my gold spoon for achievement for all the difference it makes. Right. Um, so sorry, did you did you enjoy the experience, Paula? I'm sorry, I kind of like jumped on there. We went all it's over. Okay. The place. It's okay. It, it was it was pretty enjoyable, actually. Like it's the first time I'm able to like to play a full uh, puzzle video game like in one go. Because <laughs> I was like in one go. <laughs> In one go. Oh, I was like, that's my engaged. job. <laughs> Sorry, Eric, you'll have to try harder to. I need to be quicker. Yeah, go on. So, um, it was like very, very engaging hmm. in the sense, like, um, it kept like throwing new stuff at you, like in a way that it didn't feel like, oh no, I just have to deal with more stuff. But it was like, oh, I, I. I never get bored of this. So for a puzzle game, I think the only other puzzle game that I completed like in a couple of sittings uh, was like Invento, but even that game I had to take a break from because of the amount of puzzles you have to solve. Hmm. And, and in fairness, the Go games are much more grand in terms of their scale in Bento, other than the little... Um, in between slides, it is you're just looking at the box and the and the slides. But in the Go games, you particularly Lara Croft, you're climbing mountains, running away from. I think there's a T Rex scene, isn't there? You're running away from a T Rex. Is oh, a uh, giant snake, big reptile, same thing. Cool. Um, but yeah, so it, it gives you more visual flair with the puzzles as well. Which really bad. Help. It has like a way to give you like a sense of urgency in, so- in some sections, even though it's turn based. Yeah. How? Hmm. That's really game cool. magic. It's. It seems to me like I'm. I'm sort of sad that. I don't know. It seems as though this is sort of a dying version of um, mobile game, right? Like the actually involved, like clearly well produced, like a lot of stuff into it. Um, but then again, with Apple Arcade and stuff, I think you're seeing so many of these types of experiences come back. So maybe yeah. it's a good thing, right? Maybe maybe subscription services will actually save some of the mobile gaming areas. <laughs> I like that foreshadowing for later in the episode also. Dun, dun, dun. That would actually like, be pretty neat. <laughs> like, because like the one thing I don't like about mobile games is they're like, usually like designed to take away your money instead of a uh, one experience mm-hmm. yeah 100% 100% um, cool shall I move on to mine then yeah go oh, ahead nice uh, I played carrion um, or carry on 
It's probably Carry On, actually. But I played this on my Xbox Series X. There's a reason why it ties into the game, actually. This game is awesome. This game, I have to say, uh, it's it's pretty short. I beat it in about five hours. It's a Metroidvania, but it really flips the script. Um, it's a Metroidvania where you play as a monster um, or the monster, essentially. So it's kind of like, um, it's like the thing, right? There's this creature that they're working on in this underground facility, and it essentially like absorbs humans to like increase its biomass. Um, and so you basically explode out and then you just start eating humans. And what's so cool about this game is that it is a Metroidvania in the sense that you gain new abilities and you you know you gain new ways of traversal, but they're entirely original. There's not a single thing you get in this game that's like, oh yeah, I got that in this game or that game because of the way that you're controlling the character. Um, it, it's a little weird at first. When you start playing it, you have to get, really get used to it because it's an entirely new mechanic because basically this blob you play as has these appendages, um, like gooey appendages that he can shoot out. So he can go like anywhere on the map he can like fly up onto the roof like go down underneath like slither through vents and stuff and like um you shoot them all over the place and so once you get used to it it's so quick and and amazing and you use the right stick to like um shoot out an appendage to like grab humans and bash them all over the place and eat them and it's like it's excellent but you are very you can quite easily be damaged by um by weaponry so it's pretty cool because you feel all powerful when you start and Actually, I have to say that's what's so incredible at this game is that it so brilliantly paces itself. Um, and every time that you start to think you're like, oh, I'll decimate everything, it introduces you to this new mechanic that you're like, shit, okay, I got to be careful. <laughs> and like you actually <laughs> feel like, I don't know, it's interesting because you actually feel like you're learning with the creature, right? Like this creature is learning how to adapt and make sure it doesn't die and get out. And you at first think like, oh, I can blow all these uh, humans up. And then you're like, oh, maybe I can't do that. Actually, I need to hide this way and go do this. And um, all the abilities you get are so fascinating and and good. And um, the one thing that holds this back to me from being like an absolute masterpiece is just that there's no map. And I get why there's no map. Yeah. Yeah, And I I understand why, because you're a monster and you monster can't no read no map. And I get that. That like is totally legit. And it's a smart design decision. And overall, I have to say, it's so well designed that usually you don't need the map. Um, And that's really cool. But the only time it becomes an issue, there, there was twice that I had to look things up. And it's often if you have to take a break. Because obviously once you take a break, like, you know, the game's like layout isn't stored in your friggin' long-term memory yet, right? So you're like, oh shit, where was I? Um, Which is why I'd almost recommend playing this game in a single sitting, like carving out an afternoon and just powering through it because I think it is like the best experience for it. But yeah, it's on, it's on game pass. Um, and I like highly, highly recommend playing this one, especially if you like Metroidvanias in any way, shape or form. But even if you don't, because it's so different that I think, um, I think you re- I think people would really enjoy it because it doesn't rely on like like, I know a lot of Metroidvanias rely on really specific platforming in a lot of areas, right? Like, you have to be really specific and really careful. That's not what this game relies on. Um, this game's more about, like, figuring out the puzzles and, um, and like, good strategic thinking. But the actual, like, um, maneuvering of the beast, I don't think is that difficult. Anyway, I could talk about this game for so long. I love this game. Has anyone played this one at all or seen it? I haven't, I've seen I, it, I, but I haven't sorry. played it. Hmm. 
It's uh, it's interesting to me that it's a twin stick. That I didn't expect. Well, not not <laughs> kind of, um, but like you don't have to be using the right stick often. Um, yeah, it's, it's only when you want to target something. Um, so think of it more like a targeting reticle. Um, like just so like yeah. To put it this way, the amount of times that I use the right stick is significantly less than the left. Yeah. Yeah, of course. It's um, it's one that's looked interesting. I've never, I've never had the motivation to put it ahead of anything on the backlog. This is the perennial problem. But <laughs> it does look pretty cool. And, uh, the recommendation obviously goes, goes away. Yeah, um, I would say that to be honest, like in terms of my Metroidvania's list, I would put this just like a fraction below Hollow Knight. Like it, it might even tie Hollow Knight for me in terms of enjoyment. Like it was so good. It's just, I like I can't, especially like. Anyone, anyone who wants to get into game design should play this game, I think, because it is an excellent example of taking an old concept and completely refreshing it um, and just mm. like moving away, from, which actually will foreshadow something I'm playing later that didn't do that um, to its detriment. But <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, anyway, sorry, that, that's what I have to say about this game. It's good. Play it. Play it now. <laughs> cool. And speaking of things you should play, the one that I've beaten this week and was playing last week, by which I mean Friday, uh, is Big Bang Mini. Um, so everything I said before still applies. Obviously, it's a replay. So um, I knew what I was going into at the start. Uh, one thing I didn't talk about last time that I realized when I was editing um, is just how visually distinct the game is. So there's nine worlds and it's all themed around different places in the globe. So there's a level that's set underwater. There's a level set in Rio. Um, there's a level set in Hong Kong where it's all sort of neon futury stuff. There's a level set in Egypt where it's all like Egyptian. Um, there's a level, I can't remember the name. It might be Kabukuri, something like that, but it's all sort of Asian horror themed stuff. Um, and your ship and the bullets you fire and the enemies are all themed around those things. And it's just something that feeds into the charm that i was talking about last time it's just a wonderful experience to have like you just feel happy playing it there's moments of frustration but nothing that ever particularly lasts it's just a lot of fun and it's dirt cheap i probably would say don't emulate it because i can't imagine for the life of me unless you're on a tablet maybe how you would make the 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 firing functionality work with a mouse or, or something else but it's absolutely worth playing and giving a go. Uh, it's cheap, it's packed full of content. I think I spent seven hours again replaying it, and you know I would have happily done that on my original chip if I still had it around. So, yeah, there's, I could keep gushing forever, but I probably shouldn't. It looks really cute. Yeah, this looks like a little hidden gem sort of thing. Absolutely is. that, And it, it's weird. There were two French studio games came out similarish times that, and a game called Soul Bubbles, which I know for a fact I've gushed about on the forums before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're both just wonderful. And they were both made by devs who ended up shuttering just because their games didn't sell well. Fun fact, so the, the one behind Big Bang Mini, Arcado, uh, they made a game for Ubisoft called Hell Yeah, if you remember it. It's like a bunny rabbit running around hell with like a... It's almost like... Um, you know, Big Wheel, the, the fucking Spider-Man enemy, like in a Big oh, Wheel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I still haven't played it, but I have bought it. And uh, it got middling reviews, and I think that that's sort of what killed them off. 
which is a great shame. But this is just me just emptying my brain in audio form. Uh, let's move on. And speaking of steel blades of death, let me roll straight into my retirement, which is a game called Steel Rats. So imagine a Metroidvania type thing, but it's level based and you're stuck on a motorbike. Ooh, yeah, mm. yeah it, do you know what? It gets so close to nailing it. It really, really does. But it's way too restrictive in motion. So all your attacks are on a energy bar that powers this steel blade on the front wheel of your motorbike. Mm. That is also tied into boosting. It's also tied into a couple of other things. And so while you're expected to build up speed and rush around the level and everything else, you've also got to manage this meter and the systems just feel like they're conflicting with each other. It doesn't quite come together and I've retired it. I might come back to it at some point, but there's loads of other stuff I'm playing at the moment. And if there is something to be found there past all the sort of jank on the surface, I'm not quite there yet. But I, for now, would say probably avoid. The The only upside is that I got it for free through um, Prime Loot. So I haven't I haven't lost any money on it, just a little bit of time. That's almost damaging in of itself, isn't it? Just I've lost time. life that I can't get back. <laughs> <laughs> precious time. Dear me. Uh, but I haven't really got anything else to say about that. And Paula, you haven't retired anything, have you? Uh, nope, nothing. So... Let's talk about one very controversial, one possibly slightly less controversial retirement from you, Alex. I don't think this will mm-hmm. actually be once you hear the reasoning. Uh, I retired Fallout New Maybe Vegas. Not. Maybe I've, not. I've already beaten Fallout New Vegas um, probably twice. So I was just like, I was playing it and I went, uh, I think I'm good for now. You know, like I was like, I have other games I want to go play. Um, it's a great game. Like, honestly, it is. It's just there's no sprint button. And so my thing is, if you're going to play this game, I'm like, I should probably play this on the PC if I want to replay it because I'm certain there's a mod for that. Um, that would just increase it. You know what I mean? And so it's like on the Xbox, I was just like, ugh, it's too long. It's going it, to like, it'll falsely extend the playtime. You know what I mean? Like if I could sprint in that game, I'd be done way faster. And understandably, I think that plays into the actual like game itself. Like you're meant to kind of slowly go through so that you can see stuff and go explore it. Like it's, it's really not a game that you're meant to be like face down, run to, to the next objective. Um, but I realized that, like, I just played it so much that I know most locations. Like, as I was going through, I was like, oh, I recognize that. Oh, I recognize that. And I didn't realize I knew it that well um, until I started playing it again. And so I was like, oh, this is going to kind of just be a thing where I'm like, let's go visit old haunts. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. Um, but if you've never played it, you should play it. <laughs> um but uh, just because, I don't know, I think the story in that game is really is really excellent. And it does a lot of things. Like like I mentioned last week, H-Bomber Guy just did a, a like an hour and like 40 minute video on this um, game. And it's really well done. And it really explains why I think it's such an effective um, game. And yeah. So anyway, it's a glowing review of why I retired it. <laughs> A glowing review of a game you didn't want to play anymore. Yeah, exactly right. I'm just past it now, you know? It's it's past the time when I would best enjoy it. Um, Cosmic Star Heroin, I retired as well. And that's just because I had enough, you know? I got what I wanted from it. And that was a sort of fun, interesting turn-based uh, 
combat game and sort of a neat little locale that's sort of like Chrono Trigger. Um, and then the minute that it got to the point where I was like, wait, what am I supposed to do now? I was like, and I'm done. <laughs> you know, like not a bad game by any stretch, not a great game either. It's a good, okay to good game, uh, I think. Um, and if you get it for cheap, it's worth playing for a bit. But this is in that, I think this is in that vein of games that I would put where it's like, this is fun to play, maybe not beat. Because the story is not particularly fascinating. So I don't really see, I, I can't imagine a motivation to try and finish that. Like, I don't care how that story ends. It's about like random super spies in space. It's 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 not what the game's about. It was about enjoying that combat system. And I got my fill of that combat system. I could see myself going back to this one day if I ever want to like, because I, you know, it's not like I have to like refresh on the story. It's not a long game. Um, so if I ever get that urge again for that kind of combat, I bet I'll go back to it and maybe even finish it. Um, but for now, I was like, we're good. We're good. <laughs> so yeah, still think it's good. That bodes well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, th- I still that think bodes- you'll probably enjoy it, honestly. I hope so for the amount I paid for the bloody physical. <laughs> oh yeah. How much did you pay for the fi- Oh yeah, you got the physical. Damn. Yeah, I uh, I was that idiot. I went and bought the uh, the limited run for Vita, nice. and um, <laughs> I missed it the first time around. I ended up buying it, funnily enough, from a Canadian, uh, and they posted it posted it to Blighty. Um, God, how much did I pay for it in the end? It wasn't really much beyond, if it was even beyond what I would have paid originally plus shipping. It was sort of somewhere between thirty and forty pounds. Oh wow! Yeah, but that that's what you're paying. That's what you're paying for those physicals. That that's yeah. just the situation. And in fairness, it's got like an 80 page manual, oh, that's which cool. for the Vita is fucking unheard of. Like you couldn't get a double sided black and white napkin in yeah. a Vita box, and they've they've literally the manual barely fits in the box. It's that, cool. it's that thick. See, I so, also yeah. think it's cool to support. Yeah. Like it's a small developer. Sorry, Paolo, what were you gonna say? I was thinking the only time i've ever seen like something inside the uh like the beta box besides the game is that one time when axis games released like the three automatic games and they did like a summer mystery kind of promotion that if you collected like all of the three sets of cards that came with the games uh you could win like i think it was like some pins or something hmm but yeah, they had like these little like cards with the characters like they do now, like in the Switch releases. And it is the only time I ever seen anything on a beta box. It's so rare to find anything in them. I think Rayman Origins or Legends, whichever one I've got, Legends is the one I've got on Vita, might have had like a, a six page pamphlet. It's normally like a why did they even bother situation. Like it's so rare to find anything printed that's actually had any love put into it, which is. Even if I hate the game, I think I'll just like having a manual in a Vita box. I think I quite like the novelty of that. And yeah. foreshadowing, games industry, bring back color printed manuals, please. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but we'll get to that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's <laughs> worth it, though. Like, because did you get it from limited run games or was it like someone who had bought uh, it? would have been someone who bought it from there, I would assume. Indirectly, yeah. yeah. I, I have bought direct from limited run, but this was a situation where I missed it the first time around and someone was getting rid and I, I wanted to acquire nice yeah i just think that's such a great such a great system like i just i don't know i love oh carrion was on limited run games that's neat um anyway i just i just love that uh well let's move along yeah man <laughs> uh why don't we get yeah. to what we're playing wants to jump there do you oh, want to roll on alex well, while you've here. got the mic 
Paula, why don't you go first what? since you had nothing to retire? <laughs> okay, okay. So um I'm still myself playing Godrella's Tiraganinakisaki. I've been like trying to up my reading speed in Japanese even if that means I've missed some of them dialogue. Because like um actually the English version of this game is coming out like really soon. So I'm trying to at least um have like go through the Japanese version and then go through the English version to see that if like if I actually understood what the people were saying pretty much. Nice, that's good. Uh, and don't look at me like that, Rick. <laughs> I'm, I'm imagining dual wielding switches, like reading on the left and then comparing on the right. I just love that visual. Oh, you that. I have two switches. No, I was going to say you actually <laughs> could. We that's both have thing. two switches. I should have done that when I was practicing. <laughs> uh, and then there's poor me sat with a, a Vita and a PSP in a dream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, crack on, Tyler. Oh, sorry. Uh, so, okay, for Fire Motel Dragon, the Blade of Light, I'm still in chapter 13. I haven't played Slam Rancher, sorry. me. And for Hakuoki, Kira Wins and Edo Blossoms, I think that's the couple of games that I've made, like, the most progress on. Mm. Uh, because, like, for Kira Wins, I finished two routes that are, um, Okita and Saito. And for Edo Blossoms, I'm done with Okita and I'm going through Saito's throat. So those are almost three full roots out of the 13, which is nice. Nice. And um, 13 Sentinels, I assume I have to go back to it because I since we are using my PlayStation with a friend to practice Japanese with uh, with another game, the time I would use usually like schedule to play 13 Sentinels is kind of like at the moment, but that's gonna change real soon because I actually have to like make a schedule to know like which games to play each day. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm not gonna finish anything. God damn. And also, last Sunday we actually played Monster Pro with Rick and two other people from the forums. We did. Friends of the forum, Uve and Dragon, we got a four-player Monster Prom session going, and only one of us got a date, and that one of us wasn't me or Paula. Oh. The tough thing is that, I don't know if it's that funny, it's like, okay, so I was going for a particular character, and that character always sat in the same table as one of the characters, Rick and the... Uh, was it Dragon? Yeah, Dragon. Okay. I was going for uh, so Dragon kind of sabotage me by accident. So I had the chance to actually sabotage him and give the points to Rick, and Rick was still like forever alone in Monster I from still Night. It, yeah, it's. Uh, it, was kind of... <laughs> it was good fun though, right? It was it a was lot of fun. fun. It's weird well, though. So we we'd played a few three players. We hadn't played four player before. And what would normally happen because there's three male and three female characters, we'd never really compete for a prom date before mm. but not only were there four now so there was an element of competition but also um paula picked up an item that sort of angled her towards the character that uve was going after and um the game tried to get me to go down a secret ending route um and as such took me off the path i was going for for the character i'd sort of started the game angling towards asking her a date and instead had me competing for a different date 
So there there were there were two characters that two of us each were competing for, and in the end, only one of us was successful all round. Um, okay, to be fair, to be fair, uh, I actually fucked up picking up the tone because uh, we both fucked up uh, mm. noticing that there was like this place that I was trying to get stats from. And it was actually a job, and I didn't want to spend any money, so I got a, a random present, and I got this item. And the worst thing is that I'm, I really hate the, that character that was, like, trying to get closer to me. I'm like, I don't want you. I hate you. I fucking hate you. Let me but go talk with this other character. Like That did bring was... some of the best comedy out there, because it brought <laughs> the email out doing, like, <laughs> Disney song ripoff. And then, like, when the princess disappeared, like, turning full 70s Russian and talking about overthrowing the uh, the monarchy and go the proletariat. It was it was something. It caught me out. I didn't expect it at all. They didn't expect that. It, uh, I didn't expect that. Not, not the stupid eel. That at the end, I was banking for the eel to actually kill the princess so the princess will leave me alone. This sounds like a wild And the, game. the dialogue... <laughs> It, it's nuts. It it's nuts. The funniest part is the dialogue is like trying to get you to side with the princess and like gently steer her away from what the eel's planning to do. So like the eel was going to poison the punch at this party she was throwing, and uh, like the dialogue options were: um, why would you serve punch to the surf? You don't want to give them ideas to you. Or <laughs> I tell you what's great to put in punch: poison antidote tastes amazing. And Paul is just like, no, killer. I don't want her to live. <laughs> Like, I'm helping you, help me. I need to get rid of this so I can actually get a day to the problem because I was actually, like, doing, like, pretty well with Liam and then, like, stuff happened and I can't see Liam anymore. And it's, um... Princess is just following me around and I'm like, I don't want you, you, you go with the other guy, please! But once you're on a route, you can't really get out. It's a lot like Among Us, I think, in that a lot of your enjoyment is incumbent on getting a good group together to play it. I see. And that, that's not that's not on the game. The game's fantastic. It's just a case of like making sure you set up right to enjoy it to the fullest. Um, sorry, Paul, we've slightly derailed you. <laughs> hey, that was my last game, and we actually can segue to you because you were also playing. Yes. yes, we can. And I have been playing loads. So there's some games that I'm still playing but didn't play this weekend. So I've still got loads to talk about, but I'm only going to talk about things I've played between last recording on Friday and today. Um, so I've been playing a lot of Fall Guys still. That Fall Ball mode is still fantastic. Uh, I've got some more crowns, almost all of them dressed as the Doomslayer, which has been a wild ride. That's been fun. Um, we obviously we talked about Monster Prom. Um, I finished up the main campaign of Motorstorm RC, so I got all the gold medals on all the main levels. Um, there's two DLC packs. There's an RC Pro-Am one, and there's a Carnival one. But I'm going to leave those. I'm going to come back to the game um, maybe a couple months down the line, once I've played some other stuff because it's good but i don't want to overdo it i feel like it's probably a bit early for me personally to need that extra content um so what i've been playing instead on vita as my little like pickup game uh, is a game called curses and chaos if either of you have played that one no is this like is this inspired by ghosts and goblins 
Maybe slightly. Maybe. I don't really think... I think it's just like a naming convention. So um, it's by a dev called Tribute, and it's a 2D fighter. But it's like sort of horde-level-based sort of thing. So you are on a single screen. Waves of enemies come in from left and right, and you have to like pick up items, fight off the enemies, get to the end. And each round is on a timer. And if you take too long killing the enemies the Grim Reaper starts coming and chasing you. And if you don't kill the last enemy before the Reaper gets you, it's insta-death. Um, but it, it's really simple. It's chunky, pretty pixel art. So that's been that's been my current sort of pick-up-and-put-down go-to game. Um, played a little bit of a wizardry-style RPG called Conglomerate 451. So it's that kind of game, but with a cyberpunk setting. Um, I bought it in the Christmas sale. It was just a case of I wanted to play it and make sure I liked it so I didn't have to refund it. Um, so I played the tutorial. It's really good if you're looking for that kind of game or you want some more cyberpunk, then it's, I heartily recommend it based on what I've played. But having played a little bit, I've got other stuff on the go, so I'm going to sort of park in, come back to it at some point. And that's no, that's no reflection on its quality. That's just a case of what I've what plates I've already got spinning. Um, what else have I played? Um, I've been playing some Soul Silver. So I, I started it. I want to say, maybe July of last year. Spent about eight hours playing it. Got through the first three gyms, and then I was I was making some headway on Bravely Default. And it was a case where I've got two of these quite beefy turn-based RPGs. One of them has to park, and in in the event it was Pokemon that parked. I think I've actually played more with the Pokewalker than I have with the with the actual game proper. So hmm. uh, for anyone who isn't familiar with the remake, when they when they re-released, I was going to say I thought I could see one behind you, Paula. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. I've uh, I've got a Poliwag sat in mine at the moment. Huh. It's uh it's fucking adorable. So it's like a little a little pedometer in the shape of a Poke wall, a Pokemon ball. Hmm. And what you can do, the the chips that they made for Heart Gold and Soul Silver actually have an RFID transmitter receiver built into the chip because that functionality isn't in the ds and you can send a pokemon to it it sits in your pedometer as you take steps it gains experience and you can catch pokemon from in from in the pokewalker so you pick which route you're on depending on what route you're on and how many steps you've taken you can catch different pokemon um, while you're walking it shouldn't be as fun as it is like it's a glorified tamagotchi but because it ties into the game and it builds on that charm. I have actually had a blast with that. I've barely played any of the game proper. I've just been playing a lot with Pokewalker at this point. But that will that will change soon, um, I'm sure. Yeah, those and games then, go for uh, so much money online. Like it's absurd how much Heart Gold and Soul Silver go for. It's disgusting. It is, I, it is crazy. Like uh, I actually got my copy like brand new, like near the tail end of the. No, actually, the the 3DS was already a thing, but for some reason, like a local store still had like DS games, and I was like, "Well, okay, I'm I'm, I'm taking these." And like, I actually wanted like to get hard gold at some point, hmm. but then I saw the price was like for yeah, the, yeah, like the case and yeah, manuals no. sell for seventy dollars. Just the case and the goddamn manuals, like. <laughs> Uh, it's not quite that bad here, not yet. But I, I looked out. I got mine 
my copy maybe three or four years ago for around what it was going for new. Obviously, it was used, but that was that was still only like maybe forty pounds, forty five, fifty dollars. Yeah, um, I've got heart gold. with the paperwork with everything. Yeah, and I think I actually got it used Go from a from an EB Games way back in the day. So <laughs> I probably paid the best yeah. I possibly could for it. Um, yeah, I did get it used from EB Games because I don't I don't have the Poker Walker with it. Um, oh, okay. Well, I never used the Man, that's the best bit. Genuinely, like I've had yeah. more fun with the Poker Walker than I have actually playing Pokemon. I think I was saying it to someone at, at the time when I first started it. Pokemon is one of those franchises where if you didn't grow up with it, half of the appeal is gone. Like, yeah. to be yeah, fair, I mean, Scott say the same thing Scott there was. He might well have done. In fairness, I feel like I've seen that video, but I'm not sure. It's it's just all right. Like the actual outside of combat, which is what it is. The actual RPG mechanics seem practically unchanged from um, from the Game Boy. Which, yes, this is a remake of of the Game Boy version. But, Probably like say something about it, but later in the major topic. Oh, oh, something oh, you were saying. I the major, okay, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that is a good point, actually. Although, I, in fairness, to foreshadow, I think they probably do enough with the Poker Walker and the updated graphics to justify it being a new release. It's just a case of the game design isn't up to scratch if you haven't got nostalgia for the series. That that's just where I sit on it. Um, it's not that it's bad, but I think it's telling that that I picked Bravely Default over it, even as I was hitting some of the bullshit that that game throws at you. <laughs> oh, listen, <laughs> like I told you, my the game that got me in was Pokemon Red, and like I bought, I bought Fire Red, I bought Let's Go Pikachu. You know, like I I will buy every one that every time they remake that, and it's just because of nostalgia. Like playing the game is like a warm hug, and I'm like I hate them yeah. for it, but I also love them for it. <laughs> I have a it's like an abusive relationship. relationship. You just can't leave. Exactly. All right. Sorry. What else? What else were you playing there? Well, I've somehow got two more games that I've played in the last seventy-two Jesus. hours. I genuinely don't know how I've done it. So, uh, the first one is Ratchet and Clank: Tools of Destruction, which I've played some more of. Mm-hmm. It feels so far, and I am still in the opening couple of hours, way more linear than any Ratchet and Clank game I've played before, even the PSP one the PSB ones, if you can't secret Agent Clank. It's very narrow and predetermined, which I don't necessarily mind. Movement still feels relatively good. Combat still feels good. There's a, an over-the-shoulder aim, which is fine, except that you move at a snail's pace when you have it activated. So outside of like aiming at a very specific non-moving target, it's as good as useless. Um but the, the the game itself is a lot of fun. The humor's still mostly there. I'm having a blast with it, so I hope it opens up a little bit as the game goes on. Uh, because as it stands, as much as I'm enjoying it, it doesn't feel like it reaches the heights of any of the original PS3 games yet. So we'll see how that one goes. Um, and the last one, this is quite a recent release, I don't know if any of you have heard of this one, uh, is Raji, an ancient epic. I've heard this one. This oh, is my. the one made yeah, by... Yeah, I actually want to play it at some point. That's the one. Sorry, what was that, Paula? Oh, that I've been keeping an eye on it because like, I want to get it and play it, but then I look at the backlog and then I decide to do otherwise. Uh, yeah, it's... um. 
I, I, to be fair, I hadn't planned to buy this. This was, um, this was a Christmas present from my brother. He bought it for me on Steam, and I bought him something the other way. Um, it's really good, actually. I think the setting does a lot to carry it. So obviously, you don't see many games from that perspective in that sort of setting. But beyond that, it's quite clear that it was made with an international audience in mind, hmm. um, because it's very structured and clear in terms of setting up some of the the gods and the law in the opening in the opening couple of stages there's actually these sort of painted icons on the wall and and you go up to them and it tells you the story of um of durga one of the one of the gods that's sort of narrating your journey it's actually it's quite funny with the immortals phoenix rising thing and everyone was talking up the the zeus poseidon back and forth you actually have a similar sort of um dynamic with with two of the of the indian gods durga and vishnu doing a similar sort of thing it's a little bit more straight lace but it, it gives a nice feel to it in the sense that you feel like you're with them watching raji sort of build into into quest to save a brother i think i would have liked it to be a little bit more platforming a little bit less combat but i think that's just a personal preference thing both are done relatively well i think if i was going to nitpick one thing you can tell that they weren't working with the biggest of budgets in combat because some of the animations are a touch stilted. And there's a lot of instances where once you've started an animation, you can't cancel out of it. And it makes combat, I think, harder both than it should be and harder than it was ever intended to be. Hmm. But I am still having an absolute blast with it. It's got a really strong sense of style, a strong identity. And I, I think that, elevates what is already a really good set of mechanical systems and and um i was going to say in visuals but that's almost part of it i'm having a good time with it and i I suspect i will for the duration because it doesn't seem like an especially long game Hmm. and i I think that will probably work to its benefit particularly at the price point it's only 15 pounds 20 dollars that kind of thing and i think that's beautiful sweet spot for that kind of experience so i'm very enthusiastic about that one so yeah that's I need to sort my life out. That that's <laughs> eight games I've played. Yeah, damn dude. <laughs> Is it two or six? Yeah, that's a eight. lot of games. No, uh, seven. I'm yeah, delayed. still a lot. Maybe Sorry, we should have made the topic this week. How many games should a person play? <laughs> 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 At one time. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, right. I'm still playing Kadalka. I actually did play some Kadalka. Haha. <laughs> um, hey. Still good. Still like it. Still interesting. Um, still playing Ring Fit Adventure. Uh, it's just starting to open it up a little more for me too. Like it's, it's really a full fledged RPG. Like I'm quite impressed with it. Like it's a, it's a game, you know, like it's not, um, it's not just some kind of, put like, that on the back of the box. It's a game. Yeah, Alex I, I think a lot of people though, you think about it, right? Like you probably imagine something like we fitness, which really isn't like, it's just kind of like step on. Here's a little, I don't know. Here's your exercise for the day. But this thing like has a real sense of progression to it, which I actually really love because that, in and of itself is is part of the difficulty with exercising. Like when you start exercising, uh, progress is is pretty it's pretty quick, right? You make a lot of progress quite fast, but then what happens is you plateau. And then you plateau. Right? Yeah. yeah, and I've been plateaued for a freaking year. I mean, quarantine was kind of nice because when I went into quarantine, I like lost a little bit of muscle mass, and then when the gyms opened back up, when it was like you know safer in the summer, I suddenly like bulked right up again, and I was like, yeah. And now <laughs> I'm like losing a little bit, and I know that when they open up again, I'm just gonna be like, yeah. So it's like giving me that like 
little little boost you know but this game actually does it where like you do feel like you're making progress and like you're accomplishing something and i think that i'm certain that's probably helped quite a few people uh, maintain a routine with this um because routine is really what it's all about anyway it's good mm. stuff. if you have a hard time setting routines maybe try this game uh, i'm a routine monster i love routine routine is my life so i have no problem there <laughs> uh then i started two other games um We'll talk about Bloodstained first. So I'm playing Bloodstained Ritual of the Night on my Xbox, um, which, man, the Xbox is spoiling me. I don't think I could play indie games anywhere else now because, oh, my God, it's so fast. It's just so fast. Like, I maybe look at a loading screen for, like, a second, and then it's just, like, back, and I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> um, I just, it's, it's, it's so good. Um, so, yeah, this is by the creator of, Castlevania. Um, this is Castlevania, basically. Like this is yeah, yeah. This is this is the continuation of Castlevania, and I say that like in the Symphony of the Night style. And this is what I alluded to a little bit earlier when I was talking about Carrion and how <sighs> this is a good game. Like I like this game. Um, it's very uh, much like playing. I, I this is where it, ugh, damn. I wish I could remember this better. It's either Harmony of Dissonance or Aria of Sorrow, but one of them has it where you absorb the like the souls of the demons. Uh, Aria. It's Aria. Okay, good. Yeah. That's the whole thing. It's also Dawn of Sorrow. They, they, and Dawn of one Sorrow. after another. Yeah, so it follows in that tradition because you get these shards that come into you. And it's it's cool, <laughs> but it's too much. Uh-oh. So, But this is the thing. Too much how? Well, in the sense that like, I don't want to fucking spend 300 hours in my menu deciding which one of these magic spells to use. You know what I mean? Like it, it becomes a little bit too much in the sense that you have almost too much choice. And the reality is some of them are just better than others. So you're just going to stick to one or two. Um, still, it's it's fine. It's good. I don't mind. I'm sure some people love having all of these different shards that you can get. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Rick's like me. And I'm like, yeah, it's fine. But I, I do think there's something to be said about streamlining that a little bit more um, because it actually removes a little bit of the environmental puzzling because there are so many um, different shards that you can get that you can't necessarily set up a lot of environmental puzzles that require them because there's no guarantee anyone's going to have one of them. And with so many creatures, um, it would be too much to expect a person to go and find those. So I actually think it limits the game in a lot of ways. Um, For instance, it's so interesting because they start the game showing you that like, look, you can use fire to set cannons off and that never happens again. So it's like, it literally shows you a gameplay mechanic that it will never ever utilize again. Um, And, and that Mm -hmm. type of shard in particular, like hardly ever. And I mean, it will utilize it in a different way later. Um, But Anyway, that that's it's 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 a really minor thing. I just find it to be a little disappointing because it's like it's like this game is taking none of the lessons that have come since those games were made, um, which is like a little frustrating, you know. Like you're playing it and it's like, dude, since Aria of Sorrow and Dot of Thunder and all this shit has released, there's been a lot of shit that's happened. Like, can we update this a little bit? Um, but it's almost like too faithful. Um, so in some ways, that's probably music to a lot of people's ears when they're like, oh, shit, too faithful to symphony and all that. It's great. But I promise you, if you play this game, you will be frustrated. Guaranteed. Anyone who plays this game is going to leave frustrated at some point. And maybe that's fine. Maybe that's a good thing. Um, but it is grindy. 
in a lot of areas. Um, and, and, and that grindiness is kind of optional because, you know, but it's not really, I see, this is what frustrates me a little bit. So the shards can stack, right? You can stack nine shards. As in of the same kind, yes. like multiply. And it upgrades the, the shard. It upgrades them. But here's the deal. Okay. They're random drops, right? So what does this create? It creates you going into a room. Smack, 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 leave. Smack, 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 leave. Smack, 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 leave. And you repeat that until you get your fucking shards. And and if it's anything like the older ones, there's an item or items that you can pick up that, that multiply that chance. Exactly. And if, if you want to do it. Like, they, yeah. they spec around that. And this is probably just a player, a player choice thing. Because I'm one of those weirdos that, like... Certainly in Order of Ecclesia, and I think maybe in a couple of the others, mm-hmm. was that guy where like, I put a podcast on and I went in and out of the same room a few times until I had all the bits. Um, and and I'm all the things you're saying are sort of making me quite excited to get around to it eventually. I'm planning to replay the DS ones at some point anyway, yeah. and that will potentially bleed in perfectly to that. I would maybe play but, this uh, one before the DS ones. Like It's probably better than those, but um, I, like I would just try. But yeah, I know. It, it's just, yeah. Like I'm, like I said, I'm fine with it to a level, but then there's also just a part of me that's like, God damn it, man. Like, isn't there a better way to do this? Um, but the rest of it's great. Like, um, there's also some pretty fun, um, Easter eggs for other, other indie video games in there that I have to admit one of them. I was like, this is dope. Um, but like <laughs> the exploration's all there, right? It's a big old castle you're exploring. There are these fun little quests that they do. I-, I will say I like, you have kind of a home base where like you can do this like crafting and like making food and stuff for people and things, which yet yeah, you're like, oh, I hate that. And I'm like, no, I actually, yeah. yeah, I was sort of like, I kind of love that. I was like, oh, give me a checklist of shit to do. And I'm like, I'll do it. Um, but eventually it does get a little like in the weeds of like, what am I supposed to do? So let me put it this way. I'm about 50% of the way through. I'm doing the bonus route now, which is like, you know, the true ending. Like I've gotten to the point where I could beat the game, um, you know, and uh, like, it's classic. This is classic Symphony of Night Castlevania where you can beat it, you know, big air quotes. Um, but if you want to really beat it, there's like a whole other segment to do. So I'm at that point in the game right now. Um, right. And yeah, so I don't know, like I, I can't give it a glowing review because I just think that it, it sticks almost too firmly to game design concepts of the past to the point where there are rooms where I'm like, dude, this is the exact same fucking enemy layout that you did in the in fucking every single one of these. Like, since Symphony of the Night, you have put these fucking Medusa heads that stone you with harpies in a clockish, gearish room. I'm like, come up with a new idea, man. Like, that's just like... But people, people love the Medusa heads and, and the gears and the, the, the they like that. I don't that. give a fucking shit, man. You can like the Medusa heads somewhere else. I'm like, I see it, and I go, oh yeah, cool. And then I'm like, oh my god, are we doing this again? Like, you know, I like I get it. Like there's fan service, but then there's also like why not why not I don't even know. You don't even have to necessarily subvert expectations because I don't really give a shit about that. But just like use them in a new way. You know what I mean? Like that's all that I'm really asking. Use them in a new way. And don't give me that room again. I don't want to see that room ever again. <laughs> uh, the thing is, I'm taking this. I know exactly what you mean. Like, you know that what is I in mean. every Castlevania. Right. It's, it's in every single one. It's the stupid fucking clock tower. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh my God. It's, it's, um, it's nostalgia. The game, they see it and they're like, yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's it's the member berries. Member the clock. Member, Yeah, member. That's exactly what it is, right? So anyway, I, I, yeah. If you like Symphony of the Night, play this game. You will like this game. If you like Arya of Sora, play this game. Sara, Sara, play this game. You'll you'll love it. You know you will. Um, and I will beat this game because I also love it, but I hate it, but I love it. And that's my relationship with Castlevania games. And I think many gamers' relationship with them is you're like, fucking fuck this fucking game. I'll beat you. Um, <laughs> that's like kind of how it goes. Please, please. Right? Yeah. I'm also playing. Yeah. Uh, what I would argue is probably a hidden gem. Shaman King, Master of Spirits 2 on the Game Boy Advance. Um, yeah. Okay. So Shaman King is this old anime um, that I that got me into Shonen Jump, actually. Um, I t- how how this was the thing oh. that got me into Shonen Jump, I don't know, but it was Shaman King. I remember getting because so for instance, it's the first manga I ever owned, and I didn't know what manga was when I was a kid. I still didn't know what it was when I got it. It was just a comic that read backwards, and I was like, "Why is it backwards?" Um, <laughs> uh, and I reread that first volume like a hundred times. I remember nothing of this to be honest. All I know is you're there's this young boy Yo. Um, and I forget the name of his spirit, but basically there are these ghosts and spirits that can, you can sort of channel. Um, and so you like fight with those. This game is a, it's a, it's a, it's a Castlevania game. Um, and it's really good. So basically it, it, it's sort of, it's, it's a little more level-based in a, in a sense. You basically have this over map, overworld map. Um, but it's just points, right? And so you kind of go to them, and then when you click them, you enter into a level, which would sort of be like, some of them are really just like a castle room in a Castlevania game, while others are a bit longer. Um, and so you go through each of them, but you can't step backwards necessarily. Like if you go backwards, it's like entering through the level again to go back. So you really have to decide where you're going to go. Yeah, sorry. Right, so it's yeah. like Order of Ecclesia then. I, they, yeah. That's making me think massively of Order of Ecclesia, which I did it the wrong way around. That was my first Castlevania, and then the other ones were like, it's like oh, that's what they meant by castles. Uh, sorry, mm-hmm. I digress. So it really is like that, and it's really good. Um, it's sort of like the shards um, in Aria of Sorrow because you pick up spirits, um, which actually makes perfect sense in this game because that's how it works. Um, you have all of these decks that you can do, so your right and left triggers on the Game Boy Advance are your spirits, but you can actually um, set up a number of decks. So they'll have like the different spirits and you can like click select to switch between them um, really quickly. Like Order of Ecclesia, although it's on the X button for that, but yeah. Yeah, there you go. So it basically it is Order of Ecclesia from the sounds, but Order of Ecclesia before Order of Ecclesia was a thing. Um, when, you, when you think about it, this was the precursor actually. So um, Yeah, I mean, it looks pretty good to be fair. I've got a, a YouTube video popped up now and I'm... It, it's kind really of good. wondering how I did like I feel like you know that episode of The Simpsons where Barney first has a duff beer. He's like, "Where have you been all my life?" <laughs> yeah. Honestly, that's what this game like. As I was playing it, I'm just like, "What the what the hell? This game's really really good." Um, the story mm. doesn't make a whole lot of sense because I don't know Shaman King, <laughs> but um, I think that's probably why this has gone under the radar for a lot of people is that it's 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 a freaking Shaman King game, and like there were so many licensed games on the Game Boy Advance, but this is this is in the vein of you know Astro Boy in terms of quality, you know, like it's like it's one of those things where you're just like shit. The combat is excellent, um, the level design is fun and interesting. There are cool bosses um, that are unique. You get awesome, interesting power ups that let you like revisit areas, and it's just like yeah, it's good. 
I mean, I'm I'm not super crazy far into it yet. Like I'm only a, like a few hours probably, but recommend it. I mean, listen, man, Astro Boy levels of quality, those are the five magic words. <laughs> and in fairness, I've just checked. So I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast before. I have um, a flash cart and a GBA with a backlit modded screen. And I've just gone to look and I actually actually have Shaman King on there already. Oh, you have the easy so, flash? Uh, nice. Yeah. yeah, man. That's exactly it what is... I'm playing it on. <laughs> oh, there you go. It's um, maybe to feature on an episode soon on my end of things. Because you have massively piqued my interest on that. Good. Yeah, it's not very long. Like, what I'm seeing on How Long to Beat, there's not enough, like, entries, though. So, like, only five Ayo. people have beaten it on How Long to Beat. Um, oh so, this God. tells me that this is a hidden gem. And I have to say, like, yeah, everybody listening, if you like Castlevania games, play this game. You will enjoy it. <laughs> um, it yeah, it looks about four hours, judging by the video walkthrough I've got popped up. Yeah, yeah. Which means I could probably beat this by the next game. I'm gonna I'm gonna pop into this some more then and play it and see if I can beat it. Uh, real good one. All right, that's everything uh, that we've been playing. Um, why don't we move along to our topic for the week? We actually talked for quite a while about all this stuff. I'm surprised um, for only having two days. We played a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, so our we major, have yeah, our major topic this week um, is when is a game considered new? And so this conversation popped up for us around the time. Um, actually, I don't even think it was around the time Persona 5 Royal was releasing, but we were sort of talking about Persona 5 Royal um, at that time um, and sort of discussing, like, is this game new enough, right? And I think this conversation always comes up when you see, like, Game of the Year editions or you see these sort of, I don't even know what you would call Persona 5 Royal. I was trying to Google, what the hell do we call this game? How do we classify this game? <laughs> and to be fair, I've put it in the show notes because I think, one of the things we have to remember is it's coming out of Japan and what Japan have a, mm. a tradition of doing. And you'll see this with Final Fantasies, with Kingdom Hearts, with various other franchises. They'll get like a very early version in Japan. Uh, then they'll fix the bugs and whatever, and they'll localize it for the West. And then they'll come back to Japan and be like, hey, we, the, game, the game's better now. Like, do you want to buy it again? And they'll call it the International Edition. Or is it called like the Master Edition or something for Kingdom Hearts? I don't know. There's, there's, there's I don't know. A final mix. That's the one. They have a specific name for it. Mm. Um, and, and I think I think that's where it potentially comes from in terms of that. So I sort of want to call it a final mix, an international version. Um, I also want to caveat at the beginning, anything we say in favor of this being a new game is not in favor of Atlas making DLC for their international edition. The fucking cretins. Oh, Let man. me get that on the record right now. No, that it's it's disgusting and i bought some of it and i hate them for it <laughs> i refuse yeah uh, uh, i wish i i wish i had it's they had um i think it was the um it was either the velvet room outfits or the um strange journey Gross. outfits one of the two and i just caved and i felt yeah. disgusting and i still feel slightly disgusting for it now but that that is what it is that has been done and we're not condoning that and fuck them and fuck me basically um, <laughs> but you're falling from grace <laughs> i i am the reason that we can't have nice things or we have to pay for the nice things but i do think that p5r counts as a new game so like obviously you say that's where the discussion started um my personal position and it, it's sort of the same for most things is that if there's enough content for it to be 
released separately as a game in and of its own right, then that that justifies it. And for P5R, they've rebalanced the whole base game. They've added a third semester. They've added a complete new character throughout the base game. Like you could release that third act as maybe um, like a, a standalone DLC. You you bundle in those tweaks they've made in the changes to the main game. You've basically got a new release there. See, I'd argue this is where I, I get so like let's let's take a hypothetical. Yeah. yeah, let's imagine CD Projekt Red releases Cyberpunk. And right. And CD Projekt Red says a year later, hey, here's Cyberpunk, game of the year edition, with a slightly uh, with all the fixes, and they don't release the fixes. They don't fix the game in that year time, and they release it with balance tweaks and all these updates, and guess what? We fixed some of the story that wasn't so great, and we fixed some of the side quest missions and all of that, and we've introduced one slightly new area that you can go to, and then you said, voila, there you go, buy this one. Or you can stick with that old edition, but we're not going to fix it. Um, I mean, in that scenario, would you would you say that's a new game? Fix is the key word, though, because what you're talking about there is fixing problems with the game. There's a difference between fixing glitches and bugs and problems and rebalancing one of the combat mechanics, which is what they did in P5R. They they changed the way that guns work. Uh, that that's the main one that I'm aware of, anyway. Yeah, um, that's a that's a goddamn uh, patch fix. Like, if you want to rebalance, how yeah, guns that's work, pretty much a patch fix. <laughs> so, I disagree I on that. Sorry, I have a little something to say because, like. Uh, for example, I play like Persona 4 and Persona 4 Golden that it's like kind of a similar uh, situation to Royal, but yeah. I think it's kind of different in some ways because like, because I played a couple of hours of Royal, uh, granted, I haven't seen like anything from the se- third semester, but I already have like once a scene that wasn't like the original game and that's all I've seen so far that it's different. Shit. Okay. So, uh, so in the case of Persona 4 and Persona 4 Golden, the, uh, I've played through Persona 4 uh, almost all the campaign. Uh, my save file is like uh, at my boyfriend's PlayStation 3 because I actually had to play like backwards compatible stuff. Mm. But the thing about Persona 4 is like, like the dungeon crawling stuff is like the same, but and I kind of feel like the um, there isn't much of a balancing being done, like between the two versions. But what I found interesting is that in Persona 4 Golden you have like this shuffle time. That in, in Golden you can can like choose cards to have like effects, and if you want, you can actually like choose all the cards and get like bonus and stuff. In Persona 4. The shuffle is like you see cards flying on the screen and you have to grab the one you you want. (laughs) And the bonuses work in a very different way. Like, for example, if you get like the death card, and I don't remember if it was like the upright or downright position, you you fully heal your SP Hmm. at the cost of ending ending with like, one HP on the, for each character, and you get kicked out of the dungeon. But that is like pretty much like something you actually want, because you can just heal with whatever character you you have as a healer. 
and then go back in the dungeon. And I find that the pacing of how you do the dungeons is completely different based on which version of the game you're playing, because maybe in Golden, you have to take a little bit more time because you don't have like that wild card. <laughs> See what I did there. <laughs> Sorry, that wild card. <laughs> nice. Being able to fully heal your party. So I found that to be like a very, it looks like it should be like a very minor thing, but the effects that it has like on the pacing of the dungeon crawling is is crazy. And also mm-hmm. like in Persona 4 Golden, you have like the skill curse that I don't believe you have in like in the base Persona 4. Or if you have them, at least in Persona 4 Golden, you can like duplicate them mm-hmm. uh, in a way with, uh, with the new character. Yeah, um, Persona- you can give them re back. Yeah. And actually, like, I feel like, at least so far, because, like, at, at the two-hour mark, I already have, like, many scenes with Marie, which, from what I remember, and I haven't seen the new girl, like, since, like, minute 15 in the game in Royal. And from what I've heard, like, Royal really, like, starts becoming, like, a different game by the third semester. So it's kind yeah. of because like that's oh yeah I mean Royal they have to play before you actually so sorry keep going yeah yeah that's that's, that's yeah that's a lot, uh, big chunk of stuff you have to go through before like actually seeing anything different like oh and that's that was the other thing like you can see like you can kind of guess like which enemies you're going to fight in Persona Four for PS Two before you are going to actually fight them, because like they have like two different kind of shadowy figures. Mm. Like the, the classic that crawls through the floor and then like the floating one. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you know like uh, there are like certain kind of enemies on each floor, you can actually guess like, oh, it's a floating one. It's going to be those a- angels that are like weak to carry or something like that. What else? What else? Oh, in Persona for Golden Lake. They also added like the animated cutscenes. I I'm not sure the, about some things, I think. No, yeah, 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 yeah. They actually added like full voice acting to Golden because Persona 4, you know, only had like partial voice acting. And of course, you have like the final segment of the game that is like um, that was added on Golden, kind of like the third semester in Royal. But I think like the yeah, but I think that Persona for Golden has way more changes that actually like justify the the remake. Hmm. Plus, it's being put into a new system, right? Like. That counts, yeah. Of course, yeah. And the graphics, I think, were upscaled, and they made some changes because of the, the just the more power that you have in the Vita than than you did in in the PS2. Even the end of life, because four came out in like two thousand and eight, didn't it? And the PS3 had been out for like two years by that point. Um, and see, this, I, I suppose. Go on. I'm oh, sorry. I was going to say this actually reminds me a little bit of. Um, so I recently bought Catherine on the Xbox because it was it's the original 361. And it was, it was three bucks or something. It was on sale. Um, and I was wondering, yeah. because there's Catherine fully loaded, right? Which is 
um, the mm-hmm. the new remaster full really, body. full body. That's it. F- fully reloaded. Yeah. What am I talking about? Full body. Thank <laughs> you. Um, on the uh, the PS4 and on the Xbox um, One and stuff, and they added a new Catherine in that game. So you know, this game is like a puzzler. They Brand, changed yeah. some of the controls and stuff, and um, to make it like a little bit more fluid, I think. And they added some more like puzzle stuff into it. And from what I've read from individuals who actually play the both of them, so just just understand that I haven't played these yet but the pacing is really off now like they've added this new thing so there's actually a little bit of a feeling of a glut in the re in like the new release because the original game you know was made with this this like tight conceit of two uh right yeah and so it's like you actually sometimes run the risk of bloating your game by trying to justify it as a new game right and like that's part Mm -hmm. of why I sort of think like, and like what you're talking about, Paolo too, it's like, it sounds like Persona 5 Royal might fall into this trap of where it's like, did they even add enough? And if so, does it just sort of screw up the later parts of it? Like I, that game was long enough as is. Like I played through the entirety of Persona 5 and I have zero fucking desire to go back and play all of that again, just to get a like extra into the third semester. You know what I mean? It's like, I actually gotta say, like, uh, people are gonna say, like, I'm a masochist or something like that because, like, I, um, I have more than one bone to pick with uh, Persona Five, uh, because of how, in my opinion, mm-hmm. it is all, it is like super chilly and stylish, but it has no, no, no substance. In a way. Interesting. And people are gonna argue with me probably. <laughs> uh because like people that play Persona 5 Royal, like I love the hell out of that game. And I'm gonna say, okay, you're valid, but <laughs> I don't <laughs> like many I'm of gonna the let stuff. you finish, but <laughs> I don't like like uh, a lot of the stuff that Persona 5 does. Mm. Uh, mainly the fact that um, um, like the confidence first of all like uh, in prior games like you have like a wide variety of characters uh, to just talk to and like um, okay I'm just gonna say it like it is like First off, I feel like the confidence system is just a wife simulator. <laughs> because, like... Which of these ladies um, do you want to bone? <laughs> that's the worst part. Like, in Persona 4, you actually have, like, a wide a range of characters, but only, like, the ones that make sense are, like, yeah. uh, eligible to, to go in, like, in a date or something. But First uh, off, I was, like... Why? Yeah, you're like dating your teacher at one point. That was not a thing in Persona 4, from what I remember. Really. That was not no, a thing in Persona yeah, 4. That was you're weird. Really run away from your teacher. Yeah, I was like, it's, usually uh, you're like, screw the teacher. Anyway, sorry, Rick, what were you going to So, yeah, why don't we try to round back onto this a little bit, though? Right, new, come new back around. I, all I was going to say is uh, I, I think it would have been smart of them to do something like Fez is the answer, Persona 3's like international version where you can maybe have a montage of Casimir's involvement up to that point and and then just like move straight to the third semester but 
I think what we're probably hitting at is that all of this is subjective in terms of how much constitutes a new game to you. So like where I think an extra, and I suppose the, the caffeine example is actually quite interesting as well, because I, I played the original. I haven't played full body. I've got no interest in playing full body. Um, as far as I'm concerned, that, that game was as well conceived as it could ever be. And, and the third character wouldn't, but, but in terms of whether or not it's a new game, that that story from start to finish is basically identical. What you've got is, is effectively like a, a character add on. That's DLC. That's well established that if you want Which a character add on. Which is what Persona 5 Royal is. It's <laughs> character add ons. All the other things. And it's fine that we disagree on that. It's no, no, okay. No, but Catherine I mean, Fullbody changed a... the puzzle mechanics as well, too, in some of it. So, like, what you're arguing. <laughs> Yeah, but that's like the gun tweaks. <laughs> it's the same thing, dude. <laughs> yeah, probably clarify that having seen Persona 3 Fairs and Persona 4 Golden, yeah. I didn't buy Persona 5. I held off completely expecting that something like Royal would release. Mm-hmm. Um, had I not and bought Persona 5 and, and then see that Royal's coming out, maybe I would be in the camp of why can't I just pay another £15 and, and tack it on the end? Like, I can probably see that argument more from that perspective. From an objective, is there enough to justify charging full price for this as a package? In my view, yes. But that, that's ultimately where I fall. But see, that's um, where I think the, that's, I think you're hitting on something too, though, that like I think is morally, frankly, reprehensible about this, is that, yeah, sure. Look, gaming companies could do whatever the hell they want. It's their it's their shit. They'll they'll put it out if they want to, right? But I think the fact that they don't offer individuals who bought their game and enjoyed their game an upgrade path is nuts. I mean, it's like it's like the Control Ultimate Edition. You know what I mean? I was about to, I was <laughs> yeah. actually about to mention that. And that's slightly different in that mm-hmm. that's not a new game. That's a HD texture pack and, yes. and the game of the year stuff bundled in. Yeah. Um but that, that like, was that was fucked up. Yeah. Sorry. I gotta that. think like uh, these kind of like re-releases, um paying full price for a re-release is justified. Like you have like a re-release that is actually like in another console years later. Yeah. Because but like it makes sense for Golden. It makes sense for Catherine, even though they butcher it uh, with the new route. Uh, but why would you do like the royal thing? That is, that is just like being a greedy bastard. It especially makes no sense to me because they could have waited a fucking year, maybe year and a half, and they could have released this on, on PS5. Like, I just don't get it. I'm like, I guess it's because PS4 has a larger user base, so that's money, 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 right? Um, also, yeah. If if it's releasing on PS5. How much louder do you think the calls would be to say, well, I've got the original PS4, I don't have a PS5 yet. Let me have this content as a as a DLC add-on. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but here's my thing. The genius Maybe of this is make it a cross thing. If this was a cross-generation thing, you know what I'm saying? Where it's like, hey, it's on the PS4, but really the best edition is on the PS5. I mean... Then they, they can have their cake and eat it too, you know? Like, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, but uh, anyway. To be fair, yeah. Five is originally like a cross platform game. Yeah, yeah, I know. Isn't that insane? That was on PS3. It's like. So, so this was our conversation on is Persona 5 Royal a new game? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's, I mean, let's see another example. It's just, well, like, thinking about, like, well, we did sort of touch on 
the other thing because a little bit yeah yeah, yeah. I, I i just feel like I and i think japanese games are really the perpetrators of this like i haven't played tokyo xanadu but i know there's like More tokyo so. xanadu et plus or something like there's all sorts of these yeah. games like this right that oh, yeah it's on PS4, a better one yeah but not on vita yeah I've, I've given up on the x content i'd rather play on the handheld but again that's that's i digress exactly go um, on Alex, so like I look at things like The Witcher and, and even things like Fallout and stuff and, and expansions that are being released now, like Borderlands and all of this. And, you know, it's interesting to me because no one ever says something like Blood and Wine is a new game, right? That's not in the conversation. Yeah, the reality is, like I'm saying, it has enough to be. But even they, CD Projekt Red, refuses to, like, label it as such, right? It is an expansion. It's like an, an expansion onto. And... I just personally find that, and again, we can get into season passes now, which is becoming a whole new headache of like people charging like full game prices for season passes. My God, this might. Be do you remember? Do you remember when you started with one season? I know, right? Oh wait, sorry. What was that? Pop? And now they've got two or three. Oh, Pokemon start and heal anyone? I know. Yeah, there's expansion, yes. and you're like, oh my God, and so it's just. I feel like we're entering into this dangerous world at this point, and like we've been in it for a while, of where it's just like you create the game and you release the game and then it's like, Ooh, what expansions should we make for it? And there's almost this like expectation of expansions. And like, I want expansions if the game does well and the game is good. You know what I mean? And there's a justification. Uh, but now I almost feel like, and that's where I think honestly, persona five Royal feels a little, but uh, it's coming back to that again, feels a little bit like we've done this for three. We've done this for four. I guess we got to do this for five. Um, because it just doesn't make sense. Why wasn't that just built in when they were creating the game, you know? Although we're all saying this having not played the royal content. Oh yeah, I don't I don't fucking we to be probably fair, I played that part of the royal content. Yeah, I'm, I'm not yeah. saying you have to. I'm I'm saying that, that you're saying you don't you don't think it's worth it, but but without having any knowledge of what it oh, actually is. It's not even that it's not worth oh, I've looked up what it is. I've I've watched shit on that what it is. It's it's not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> I've done my research. No spoilers, please. You no have, spoilers. Yeah, these days you don't have to play a game to know about the game. <laughs> Let's play. What, there's a place where you can watch a game being played? I what? know, it's crazy. Um, anyway, I don't know. I guess. <laughs> Sorry, was that Paula? Go ahead. Oh, I was Go just going to say, I guess ultimately, I... this might be an interesting topic for us to touch back on again because um, yeah. there's more to, more to hit on this. Maybe when another game like this releases. Um, but I think what, what we're sort of hinting at here is that like it's, it's mostly a, cons- a not exactly consumer-friendly practice. Um, it feels different when it's released on a different console or handheld. It feels like a new release in those in those worlds. But that it seems like the sticking point might be when this is released within the same console generation. That seems to be a bit of like a sticking point, you know? Like, um, I don't know. It's certainly more egregious there. Yeah. And and you, Alex, saying you, you want them to stop doing that. Maybe that's a wonderful segue into our question <laughs> this week. This week, coming from friend of the podcast, let's talk about June, aka June guy, as of like three days ago, um, who asks, "How do you hope to see video games stroke the gaming industry evolve in the future?" And I'm not really sure personally, so I'm I'm gonna hope that you two do the heavy lifting. I sort of want it to not. I sort of want it to go back to sort of tentpole singular releases. I want less of the the recurrent spending bullshit. But I would actually quite like to keep 
big battle royale multiplayer experiences and, and certain aspects of it. So I don't really have a, a, a coherent idea of what I want to say to the answer to this question. So help. <laughs> okay. So first of all, I would like like to mic for microtransactions like in general, the and loot boxes that are still kicking, even though they're illegal in a lot of countries. And pretty much like uh, stuff like that to go the fuck away. <laughs> yeah. uh, because like, or even like, I just wish that we were, we were getting like more like complete games. You buy the thing, you play the, the final version of the thing on day one on your console because let's face it a cyberpunk is not the only case of a buggy mess being having being patched to be playable and mm-hmm. why do the day one patch like why <laughs> like if the game isn't ready it isn't ready Honestly. I suppose the, the argument there, if I'm going to play devil's advocate, is for timing. So if you want if you want to sort of launch for Christmas and it's going to be ready... Like, um, forget Cyberpunk, because obviously that's a whole other yeah, but conversation. but that's an bullshit good... thing. I don't give a fuck about executive Right, right, right. right. So, so let, let's, <laughs> let's, not, let's not make the exception the rule. Yeah. If you are a competent developer and you know that that November deadline, four weeks away, mm-hmm. the game will be ready and ironed and finished and perfect for but you've got to press those discs now to launch on that day. Hmm. You press the discs now. You make sure the patch is ready to go. Oh yeah. And in an ideal world, the consumer knows no different. The problem is when that's um, not even abused, just not even done properly, which is, I think, what you're alluding to. Well, you, so I will, I will. Yeah, your game hey, has God. to be ready what to ha- go. Yeah, but what yeah. happens if um, I don't know? Little Philippe receives his game for Christmas, and he doesn't know that he has to download a thing to for his game to work properly. Or what if, like, um, this is like the one time I remember like being scared for for my save file at some point that uh, Pokemon X and Y, when it released, it had like a game-breaking bug that if you save in Lumio City, you could, uh, you could actually like break your game. Yeah. I was lucky that I didn't because I actually got the game like on day one and the patch was like a couple of days later. Mm. And I w- went through Lumio City, but since I had like the 3DS, I just put it like in a sleep and needed actually save on Lumio City. And if and it wasn't the because of yeah. my gaming habits, I would have saved and crashed my game. Yeah, but on, on your first example, there's a console for people who can't access the internet all the time, and that's the Xbox 360. <laughs> Ayo! Wait, what? Sorry, that <laughs> my little meme out of the way. Did you know? Oh, right, okay. I'm like, so I don't know what you're talking back, about. <laughs> back, back when the Xbox One was unveiled at E3, it was like a oh, whole thing that it was going to yes. be away from life. Tom Matrick had that famous um, snafu with an interviewer where they were like, why would it always be online? It's like, if you don't want it to be online, you buy an Xbox 360. And I think he'd left to join Sting at like three weeks later Um, before he was pushed. Yeah, you know, it's interesting when you're talking about that stuff. Yeah, you know, I, I would love... So first off, like my true answer to this is I just really hope that 
the game industry evolves in ways I can't expect, you know, like that's always the most exciting thing when like game industry suddenly goes into a direction that you're like, Oh, I didn't know you could do this. Um, but surprise. Yeah. Games as a service. I sincerely hope go to the wayside or just like fall away enough so that there are just a couple good ones out there. You know what I'm saying? Like allow them to live on their own and stop trying to stop trying to force games as a service. You know, like that to me is something that like Marvel's Avengers, they tried to force games as a service, right? Like they're like, Oh, we're going to, we're going to develop this. Like the idea and like Anthem, I mean, are they not learning their lesson? You know, like, and Anthem has never recovered and shall never recover. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, I guess my thing is like, especially for big like budget studios, it's like, stop trying to do what the other dude did and evolve like in this one, right? Take concepts and try to, and try to take them into the, the next logical level or the next, the next step, or maybe not even the logical step. Like just, I would love to see more of that risk taking and innovation, particularly from the bigger studios who actually have that money to throw around. You know, um, I don't want to see like, let's make a destiny clone. Um, because that seemed to have brought them a whole bunch of fucking money. It's like, nah, man, do your own thing. Go your own way. I think think your anthems and your focus testers as Avengers are like causes for optimism because Mm -hmm. there will be a course correction. There's only so many hours in a day, even in a a global pandemic, that someone can spend playing your game. And outside of the two or three established ones, same thing as we saw with with MMOs and and World of Warcraft. Loads of people throw money at the wall very little will stick yeah. and, and there will come a realization that that isn't going to work outside of two or three who corner that section of the market. I just hope we um, don't. So I'd like to think. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Go on. I was going to say, I just hope. I was going to say, I'd like to think. You. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go, go, go. I you would go. like to think that that course direction will, will happen naturally. Yeah. I just, I, I'll be sad to see good companies like, you know, Bioware and Eidos. Was it Eidos Montreal for, for, um, Avengers, Avengers, um, yeah, yeah they're just, good people. Have already gone. They yeah, don't don't mourn the. But the that's what's court. sad, right? That's kind of what's sad in a lot of ways is that like a lot of these companies get bought out by these. I guess that's another thing too. Like I'd really like to see them moving away from this. Like, you know what? There's my answer. I want to see people adopting supergiant games uh, structure of game development. Um, you know, like mm, the, get behind that. Yeah, yeah, like this lack of crunch. Like I want to see crunch. Like getting rid of that. I want to see video games unionized. That's the big thing. I want to see uh, developers um, being able to unionize because right now I feel like that's the <laughs> sorry. How I'm talking about it is like labor rights, labor rights. <laughs> but like honestly, because like we've got our own feel on the podcast, Paul. Right, there you go. <laughs> You're all, we've got uh, our own feel. <laughs> For some reason, my mic wasn't working. Sorry. That's okay. That's your okay. Don't worry about it. From your monster prom games. <laughs> um, <laughs> me. But I'm really, glad you though, got it. Too. <laughs> yeah, I got it. I got it. Um, yeah, I just, because I don't know. Like, I feel like at times right now, the thing that hampers often my enjoyment of video games are just like the shitty assholes who make them. <laughs> it's You know what I mean? Mm. Like, like Ubisoft and their culture of like sexual harassment and abuse. And it's like, there are so many amazing developers and I shouldn't say actually not the shitty people who make them, but the shitty people who like program, not program them. Cause that sounds like the, the shitty people program. involved in the process is probably a good yeah, catch. Manage them. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like the top execs, right? Like the people who aren't even really involved in the day to day work, um, but are like making it hard for those people. And it's like, I think when you, I, I 
believe that when those people are out of the picture, you get things like Hades, you know? Uh, my personal feelings about the gameplay itself aside, that is an incredible achievement, and that's an incredible game, and that's a game made without duress, right? Made in a beautiful way, and, like, I would love to see that catching on more and more in the industry, and just minimizing the roles of executives, right? Like, get those fuckers out of there. They don't, you don't fucking need those people. Like, gamers pay for games and we like games like it's a huge industry that makes enough money you know there is enough money to make games um i don't think you have to try to like maximize it through microtransactions and all this shit right like that's for bonuses i don't know there's my little communist issue <laughs> i have my answer in fairness it came to me while you were uh while you were uh waxing lyrical i want more super super short games Mm. so you'll remember last sort of september october time the whole 10 milligram collection thing um swept the forum in the discord i want more of that shit i want more like low cost of entry i'll give you 20 minutes you surprise me sort of thing i want more respect for my time and more um bravery from developers not to feel like they need to justify the money that's been spent. They just need to give me a good time mm-hmm. or a good story or an experience. It, it doesn't have to be purely about amount of time spent. Well, that can be. Mm-hmm. And, and some of my favorite games are silly long. But I, I would like to see more of that flexibility. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, other than that, I think I, I probably echoed what both of you have said as well in, in terms of um, uh, a more humane culture behind the making of the medium mm-hmm. and also less sort of exploitation yeah. of the consumer who will happily pay good money for a good experience if you give it once and up front. I mean, the first parties show this. Like yeah. Spider-Man, Gangbusters, Ghost of Tsushima, a game that didn't even really get marketed that heavily in the twilight years of the console's life. It was like the biggest selling original IP for Sony ever. Mm-hmm. Something like Nintendo's profits um, uh, were like almost like 80%, like software-wise were almost like 80% their first parties. Um, like in terms of like this, like the Switch sales or something. It's like, it's insane how much money they make off those, right? It, 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 clearly shows that it works you know take your time and release games like gamers will whine and bitch and moan but they have no control over this they'll buy it when it comes out you know <laughs> like, like and more importantly we're, we're at a point with the medium now where we're not struggling for shit to play yeah, <laughs> like that is at all. we're literally a podcast i how mean long to be <laughs> there's such a backlog on our <laughs> 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 huh? Um, no. Speaking of how long, really I feel like. Oh, sorry, go on, sorry. Did you have a, any last we're, words, Paula? Oh, that we're like literally like being week in and week out, like talking about the games in our backlogs because like there's already so much to play, and we keep like discovering like new hidden game, mm-hmm. new hidden gems that were like made like years ago, and they're like um coming to light like suddenly and um, exploding popularity like yeah fucking I mean, shaman king. yeah fucking shaman king big bang mini i mean when we finish recording i am actually gonna start it up like see and that's a, a 2003 gba game like exactly we can we can wait a couple months for shit oh the only the yeah. oh no go ahead Pop. uh the one 
only other thing that I would like to see, like, uh, in the gaming industry is, like, uh, less, like, effort in making stuff, like, realistic, like, because you have now, like, power on the console side of things to make, like, these huge games, like, super realistic and stuff, or, like, um, with stuff happening all over the place, but I want to see, like, new or creative ways to use like that newfound power for the console side of things nice uh, a little bit like medium is doing that it is loading two worlds at the same time and you from what i've seen on the trailers you can swap between them like in real time Ooh, i'll be talking like, about that game in about a week <laughs> yeah i actually want to try it out if it wasn't like i think like something on the trailer either like rose me out or spooked me out yeah, it's but I would, I would still like try to give it a try just for the, for how weird but interesting it looks. Nice. Uh, like oh, the man. only the other thing that I found like fantastic that I actually have to get around to playing, a Hellblade: Senua's Sacrifice. Oh, that's a great game. Mm. That the thing they do like with the audio on the on that game is wild. Yeah. Like, I want to see, like, um, developers, like, use, like, those other sides of games, like, to enhance the experience instead of just graphics. Nice. So let's move on, then, to everyone's favorite game, How Long to Be. How Long, How long to, to Be. be the, the Game. The Game. Not bad. I'm going to that again. What are we, what's our, what's our game this week, Paula? No, let's see. Right, it's my turn. <laughs> so... Let's oh, while she's doing that. Um, while she's doing, oh, yeah. So we, yeah. we we're gonna give a rule change a go this week. So instead of just like saying our times out loud and then all conforming to each other as the sheeple we are, uh, we're each gonna type them out individually, hit enter at the same time, and lock them in, and then read them out for you so that you actually know what's going on and uh, make it a little bit more suspenseful for us while we're playing. Um, what are we working with this week, Paula? Working with Biochuck 2. Oh, I am going to be a budget here because... <laughs> I know what I'm pointing. I have Shit. a relatively good idea. And it's just Bioshock 2, I right? Have... Like, this isn't Bioshock no, 2 with the DLC. It's just it's just the main game, huh? It just says Biochuck 2, okay, so okay. I assume it is... It's on the user there. base. How good are the community? <laughs> yeah. Right. Dial in your answers. Okay, okay. Alright, I think I've got mine in here. Uh... Watch us I screw everything up because 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 yeah. Because, because, because. I think right, I is everyone this. ready? Yeah. I don't mind. I, I mean, I don't, uh, I don't got this, but I got all right, the answer. Let's all press enter. Okay, so we're, we're all hitting enter on three, two, one. All right, so I'm going with main 10 oh. hours, main plus 12 hours. I'm going to go with completionist as 15 hours. What about you, Rick? I've got main nine hours, main plus 11 hours, and I'm hoping the three hour either way is just enough. Pokemon, what about you? Good. One time, that is uh, 12 hours for main. Well, let's find out. 
Moment of truth. Okay. So it is 11 hours for main story. Okay. 14 okay. and a half hours for your main extras. And oh. 22 and a half for completion. No! <laughs> Dang it. Okay, I think so Alex is out. I think... Paula? No, I got it. 22 hours. Yeah, Paula is. Mm -hmm. I got it. <laughs> hey. It depends. Are we counting the half hours? Yes. Because if 11 goes to 11 to 11.59, I'm technically in. I don't think you're uh, in. <laughs> no, 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 no. Ah, it was worth a go. <laughs> yeah, it was worth a try. Dude. So that means that now the score is 15, 15, 10. Alex Paul is Nice. Again there. Ooh. All right. That's everything for this week. Um, one win on there. Alex's hubris knocked him down. Should have just stuck with it. Um, we'll womp, see y'all next week. And get ready because pretty soon there'll be a guest on the podcast coming up. Ooh. <laughs> Not next week. Catch you later. See you. See you all.